0: Welcome to the Max Finance Podcast, where a certified financial planner and personal finance geek discuss how to make intentional financial decisions that maximize your money and achieve your goals. Welcome everybody to another episode of the Max Finance Podcast. Today we'll be chatting about everybody's favorite topic, taxes, but the way we're planning to cover this is Hopefully, a little bit more interesting than just staring at a 1040. Or I know uh, a lot of clients, friends, family that is uh, sort of the furthest thing from their minds. Uh, you know that they would want to consider and and often maybe put things to the last minute in terms of filing their taxes. Um, and, you know, it just seems to be something looming. So hopefully we could try to dispel some some myths or talk a little bit more about different uh, examples of how taxes in action and just uh, being a little bit more proactive. And, and maybe this might drive you to wanting to know more about different elements of the tax code. Um, not to say you'll be an expert out of this, but uh, yeah, hopefully demystify some things. So um, anyways, Lauren, did I, anything else you want to add on the initial framing before we dive in? I think the only thing I would add is just that I don't think we're here
1: to try to help you file taxes or help you necessarily save on taxes, but more help you understand how taxes work and how taxes affect you so that you can use that information to, to make the decisions that um, help kind of maximize your personal finance situation.
0: Yeah. And full disclosure out the gate. I mean, I'm not a, an accountant. Uh, I don't prepare taxes. Um, uh, Lauren, unless you're hiding something from me, I don't think you are either. So, obviously, uh, a proud obviously- member of our, uh,
1: of our company Slack channel not tax professional. So definitely <laughs> not a professional,
0: but definitely very much an amateur. Yeah. Yeah. So we're just playing one on a podcast here, but, uh, yeah, definitely seek out everybody's situation will be a little different. So, uh, seek out, uh, guidance, uh, if you've got some complexities there. So, um, anyways, broad topic, but where do you want to start, Lauren? Ooh, that's a good question.
1: I think, you know, we can talk about sort of, uh, yeah. Why should people care about personal income taxes? Um, what information is, is kind of most helpful, and what, yeah, what information can be most helpful in making some certain decisions. Um, I think just earlier, a moment ago, when we were kind of chatting about one of the, I think most common questions that people have, um, especially when they first start out investing is what should I invest, um, in should I, if I can contribute to an IRA, for instance, should I contribute to a traditional IRA and take a deduction or should I contribute to a Roth IRA? Um, Or similarly to a 401k, you know, if they have an employer that offers a 401k, typically they offer a pre-tax contribution or a Roth 401k contribution. So maybe we can start there and kind of see where that leads us. I think that'll kind of give us um, the opportunity to just provide some context about how income tax works.
0: Yeah. And and so, you know, this, yeah, maybe the first interaction, like you're saying, maybe your first job out of school. Or maybe when you're in school, uh, do you want to contribute to the 401k and then, okay, if you do, do you want to make traditional, uh, for pre-tax contributions or Roth after tax contributions? Um, I can't remember if we've covered this on air or not. Uh, that particular, this sounds familiar, something, I mean, this question I get all the time. Um, the first crack I go to, to try to answer that question is, is taking a look at, uh, what do you expect? Like, where are you at right now in terms of total income? Uh, and, and how does that, how does that break down on the different tax brackets? So I guess maybe starting out tax brackets covering that. Yeah. I mean, they talk about, yeah, what is a ta- What are tax brackets? Yeah. So, so the system is a progressive system. So in theory, the more money that you make, the more in tax that you pay. So In 2022, at the time of this recording, uh, if you're making, uh, you know, under $10,000 as a single filer, you're paying 10% of tax. But if you're making, say, $100,000, you're paying, your marginal rate goes up to the 24% tax bracket. But importantly, it's not like all dollars get taxed at 24%. Right. So you always
1: pay that, what, 10% on that first $10,000. And then after that $10,000, you're paying 12, a, a higher rate, and then 24. Right. right. Um, so it's it's that sort of extra, each additional dollar that you earn gets taxed at the previous dollar, or at some point it hits the the start of the new bracket and it's taxed at a higher rate.
0: And so what we're referring to is is the marginal rate. So you may have heard that term, but that's effectively what the extra dollar that you earn uh or or, or you find a deduction, you're saving or paying uh that particular tax rate. And so that's a really helpful uh thing to know when you are pursuing anything, you know, whether it's Maybe you're earning an extra dollar, uh, you're moonlighting as something, or, um, you know, again, in this this particular example, uh, if you're trying to contribute to a 401k, are you going to be reducing your tax bill today? Or are you going to be paying the tax now and then over time, hopefully reduce your tax bill? Um, But then there's also, so we've got the marginal, but then there's also the effective tax rate
1: yeah an uh, effective tax rate is sort of I actually don't know how people necessarily calculate it, but it's kind of the uh the total tax that you've actually paid divided by your kind of total income and I guess the I don't know if there's a standard definition of how to calculate income or if how deductions factor into that, but um essentially they're not they're usually not the same um simply because you know you the 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 first few dollars of income is paid at a lower tax rate than the last few dollars, assuming that you are not in the very first income tax bracket. Um, and then again, if, if if deductions are considered in that effective tax rate, well, then that can reduce your taxable income before your tax is calculated. But I think that that's that's an important distinction because oftentimes, you know, for instance, if you're just looking at, you know if you are a single, you know, tax filer, you know, with a $50,000 in taxable income, your marginal rate is 22%. And oftentimes people will kind of think, oh yeah, I pay 22% of my income in taxes. And that's just not true. It's 22% only on that taxable income from 40,000 around to about 50,000. And those earlier dollars were at either 10% or 12%. um, And, you know, if you take a kind of standard deduction, which we can talk about more, it actually reduces that taxable income before any tax is applied. So your effective rate may be, you know, half of that or something even, or even less. Um, So I think that it's it's helpful to understand the difference there because effective rate is like actually the the total amount that you're paying in tax, but then the marginal rate is if you earn an additional dollar from where you are today, that is the like, um, that's the amount of tax that's gonna get taken out of that additional dollar.
0: Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, I, the way I like to, to calculate it is just use um, taxable income. There's a line on your, your return that, that that's called taxable income. And then you take the total tax. Um, that could be the combined, whether it's federal and state, or you could just take the federal and, and state and divide that too. Um, it's surprising too, because you could see a, a number that's very different on the effective versus the marginal. So, um, yeah, it just depends on, on how you look at that, but, but yeah, the effective is like actually what tax rate you, you, uh, you paid there. So in terms of going, go ahead. Let's say
1: if we go back to that kind of, yeah, question about pre-tax versus, uh, like a pre-tax 401k contribution versus a Roth 401k, I think it's important to note that if, you know, let's say again, the example of if you're, um, have $50,000 in taxable income, before you've contributed anything to your 401k and then you contribute, you know, $5,000 to your 401k, your taxable income is now $45,000. And essentially, you know, you're reducing um, your income by $5,000 and you're doing it at that marginal rate. So mm-hmm. um, if you were, again, if you were in a 22% marginal rate, um, that $5,000 contribution, you know, you're going to save, Twenty-two percent of that five thousand dollar, which is what eleven $1, hundred dollars, I think, of um, tax that yeah. you're going to save from that contribution.
0: Yeah, yeah. So, so that's super helpful. Um, I guess trying to full circle in terms of the question, uh, I, I think it's important to also, at least the way I I help folks think about this is, uh, what do you think? You know, are are you at the very beginning part of your career? Are you really in your peak earning years, um, I think for everybody, it would make sense at some point to convert from paying, uh, maybe when you first start out, you're, you know, you're making a Roth contribution. So you're taking after-tax dollars and putting them into the 401k. you're paying tax today uh, because in theory, you're in a lower tax bracket than what you would be. And so when you look at your total, I don't think many people really look, look at it. It's really probably think about it more year to year, um, or, or within the year, uh, you know, what their, what their tax, uh, taxes may look like, Hey, it's a very high income tax year. So, cause I'm earning a lot, which is great. Um, but, but yeah, looking at, okay, are you, are you earning, uh, are you at the start of your career are you in the, you know, the middle, at the, at the very tail end, uh, you know, most. Most careers, they'll uh, you know the, the, the more years of experience, the more you long you, you've done it, you get paid more. Um, but I do know that, that folks that are, that could be in sales or the types of roles with variable comp, um, or or maybe you sell a business. I mean that doesn't necessarily have to occur at the very end of your career. And so, um, but but I, I maintain that there is a point in time when it makes sense to if you started at Roth to convert then and start uh, getting that deduction this year. Um, what are your thoughts on that?
1: Yeah. So I think maybe we can try to simplify it and talk in like a simple example. So let's just say, you know, let's say you're earning the exact amount that you actually want to kind of live off of in retirement, right? Let's say you're earning $60,000 a year today. Um, and when you, when you retire, you also want to uh, be able to live off $60,000 a year. I think Then I think we can talk about some of the differences of pre-tax versus post-tax contribution. But I think just thinking about the taxation of that income now versus later, I think is helpful because if you're earning $60,000 today, that's presumably all, I guess, called ordinary income. And that's taxed at ordinary income tax rates, which we've been talking about. Um, Whereas um, when you're in retirement, that $60,000 of income is... Probably a mixture of different types of income, right? Um, we should talk about what those differences are. But you know, you might be withdrawing from a Roth IRA, which you've already paid tax on, so there's no tax there. Um, you might be getting some Social Security, which has some maybe some different taxation or rules um, depending on your income level. And then there's also capital gains, which is a kind of a different type of um, income which arises when you you know sell a, sell an asset or a stock at a value that was higher than when you purchased it, um, you owe capital gains tax on the difference, which is called capital gains. And that's taxed at a different rate than in a brokerage tax. account. Yeah, in a, like a non-tax uh, advantage account. So outside of an IRA or 401k, um, if you just open up a, yeah, a brokerage account. Um, so that taxation can be different and is often lower. And so I guess what I'm trying to say is, you have these different sources of income that either may not be taxed or have a different tax treatment or just lower tax. Therefore, you know, even if you earn, if you're totaling the same amount of income, because it's the at retirement, it's not all ordinary income, your actual effective or your actual marginal tax of that additional, that $5,000 that we're talking about could be significantly lower. You know, what I mean, that makes yeah. Sense.
0: yeah, 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 exactly. That the tax character really depends on which account you're pulling from. And so, yeah, w- the classic example is, do you expect to be in a higher tax bracket in retirement? Uh, and well, if you, if you do, then you would want to pay the taxes now um but if you're in a higher tax bracket now and you expect to be in a lower tax bracket you know later it's just it's it's that tax arbitrage and that can help influence whether or not to elect a pre-tax or post-tax so um i guess to, to even simplify it further again if you if you are in a very traditional career where you make a lot more money as the years go by uh, you know early on probably makes sense to do a roth you're a little bit further in your career uh, at some point, it'll make sense to uh, start uh, switch over to a pre-tax. Um, I, I know some folks who who are even in their peak years that have a strong feelings that their uh, the overarching tax brackets will shift. And it has happened uh, in 2017. Tax cuts and jobs acts had passed and that had changed tax brackets um, and lowered Uh, some of the the tax brackets the top rates um from 39.6 i believe to 37 percent and and there was some other uh brackets that were reduced as well but um you know and so so you may think that hey i in order to pay for all this debt you know we're gonna have to raise taxes at some point so I, i guess if you're really if you really believe in that camp then then contributing them to the Roth. So, but, you know, th- there's all sorts of different angles in which you can, you can look at it. Just want to try to keep it simple. But uh, uh, having an understanding of, of tax brackets and just uh, where you fit and fall in those uh, makes a lot of sense to try to answer that question. Anything else on that one before we move on to another, maybe more common scenario? Um, no, I think, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, so I, I think uh, looking at another one, uh just if you were to earn more money uh maybe maybe you're consulting on the side maybe you're moonlining, as um you know I'm just trying to you know maybe uh maybe you're driving for uber i think they're I, i've never driven for uber and i i i believe they're 1099 that they're given i don't believe i that believe it's, so yeah i think you know you're technically a driver
1: partner as they call it so i believe uh, you're, you are your own business and so um yeah i think you can are considered a 1099 contractor and so yeah understanding that, that sort of if you're considering some sort of work that um you would get paid as a 1099 contractor understanding the differences in in taxation there versus um like a w-2 is a kind of the way that you're paid if you're an employee of a com- of a corporation
0: yeah so i picked a hotly contested item i think that's been on <laughs> the california ballot for for multiple times uh, i want to say but um th- it's also important to know uh so that you're not surprised by a tax bill um at the uh, at the end of the year or come tax time for th- these dollars that you're earning on the side and so um, this is a new concept that um If you're just new to, to earning these dollars and maybe you have just a full-time job and you're, you have a W2 paying job where they're withholding taxes throughout the year, uh, the 1099, um, I, I want to say likely in most cases, if not all, won't be doing any withholding. And so, uh, you need to know how much you need to set aside. And in some cases you need to make sure that you pay those taxes quarterly as well. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah. Having a good, uh, feel for where your current tax bracket is. And, um, this could also influence, okay, well at the end of the day, if I earn another dollar, how much am I actually seeing, uh, depending on how much income that you're making already. So, you know, for somebody that's making, I mean, this is an extreme example, but for somebody's in the top tax bracket and <laughs> if they didn't have, if they had time on their hands to go drive for Uber or something like that, and, uh, you know, how much would they actually be seeing versus uh, uh, somebody that might be on a much lower tax bracket, say that $50,000, you know, you're talking 37% at the federal level versus uh, $50,000 that's 22%. So uh, you know, 15% difference, um, you know, may not sound like a lot, but that definitely adds up over time. So Um, the other thing too, so we had talked about estimated taxes and that can apply to much more than just, uh, 1099 folks but uh, really anybody that is projected to owe more than a thousand dollars in taxes and so that's sort of the the line of the sand and there's different sort of safe harbors to keep you from that and i want to say you know, keep me honest here, lauren we did chat about this i believe on air uh the estimated taxes or or is this new ground for for folks out there
1: that's a good question. I don't think we got too much into it because, you know, I think actually just recently I was struggling with asking, still not having a great way of, of calculating and paying estimating taxes. So you might have touched on it, but certainly not in detail. And I think if folks would like to hear an episode on on it, definitely let us know if we can go more in depth on it because it's, it's not super straightforward, I think. I mean, well, what you're supposed to do is straightforward, but actually doing it, I think, in is, practice. Is, is a little bit less straightforward. Yeah, it acquires a lot of work.
0: Um, yeah, we, we may have touched on this, um, I think, in the equity episode, equity series that mm-hmm. we did, uh, either RSUs or stock options. Um, but just at a high level, so that we're not getting into too deep water. Um Again, if you project to owe more than $1,000, um, you need to pay estimated quarterly taxes. And those quarterly taxes are um, April 15th, June 15th, September 15th, and January 15th. And so um, well, how much do you know? Like, What, what should the payment be if, if you have to do some projections? And so um, there's there's two ways. You could pay 90% of your current projection for the year or uh, you could just pay 100% of your prior year's um, taxes. Um, now, that's if you earn above a certain Standard level. Income, yeah, yeah, you have to pay 110%. So um, that may, I'll say it again, 90% of current projected or 100% of prior years. And if you are a higher earner, it would be 110%. And so if you had a... a Maybe you're in sales or something like that, and you had a really big year the prior year, um, but you don't anticipate this year to be as as large. Going, you know, you could it's either or. You could likely just do a projection and pay ninety percent of that. So uh, versus the hundred percent or hundred and ten percent, that's that could be a much much higher figure. And you know, when it comes to uh, paying taxes, uh, everybody or most people do not want to give the government a 0% interest loan and then come tax time, they find that they have a refund. So um, anyways, that that ties into the 1099 versus W-2 because it's important to know uh, if you need to make a right taxes. Right. Yeah. Just yeah to reiterate,
1: when you're paid as a 1099 contractor, there's typically no withholding. Whereas as a W-2 employee, there is withholding, but um, sometimes that withholding can can be inadequate and can be at a lower rate than your actual kind of effective tax rate. Essentially, that's when you would owe estimated taxes, right? If the withholding rate is is lower than your effective tax rate, mm-hmm. um, so I think bringing it back to this 1099 and versus W two, it's not just the withholding is different, but I believe as a 1099 contractor, you really actually. You know, you're you're considered a business. And so you're actually having to you owe tax not as just the employee, but also as the business, because you're paying yourself essentially. And so, you know, many people don't know this, but you know, when they get a paycheck as a W2 employee, there's tax there's well, I don't I don't know if it's considered a tax technically, but there's a contribution to social security, mm-hmm. and payroll taxes, med- yeah, payroll taxes. And typically as an employee, you you know, half of it comes out of your paycheck and then the employer also has to pay the other half of that and you don't it's not represented on your paycheck, so you may never see it. But when you're paid as a ten ninety nine contractor, you have to pay both sides of that. And so that that money that you're paying in social security and, and Medicare um 7.65 yeah. uh, 7. that's right so that's what you uh, pay as, as, as an employee a, but mm-hmm. then if you're a 1099 you're also paying that as an employer so you're paying about yeah almost 15 or so percent so
0: yeah so that's on top of what we're talking about um luckily you get a deduction uh of for the self employment tax uh for the employer side um but it's not like it covers the full amount it's not like it completely erases um it's a little bit more of a complicated formula but um uh, anyways, so, so this is all important stuff to know that. So you don't get blindsided. Oh, uh, you know, Hey, I made an extra hundred dollars or uh, a couple hundred bucks. Uh, yeah. That's, that's great. That's fantastic. You know, um, you know, at the end of the day, when you owe taxes, that usually is a result of, of some income or windfall that, that came your way. So that, that, that's a, that, it's a hard pill to swallow, but that's a good thing, and it could be a good scenario uh, to be in. It's just you have to make sure you plan accordingly for it, and and not uh, uh, spend it all effectively, so that you're surprised uh, come come tax time.
1: Yeah, and you mentioned you know um, using this information to help you decide. Do you want to yeah use an example? Which I think is a good example. Like, do you want to? drive for Uber or something, something where you can really, you know, choose how many hours you work or how much, you know, I think that's a really good example because um, you can really can kind of control your income or you can work for more. And so you can really understand what is after taxes, you know, how much am I actually going to receive? If I think I can, you know, earn $200 through driving for Uber, for instance, while understanding the taxation of that understanding that you, you know, that means, I don't know, just, 150 dollars in net pay or something like that um, can help you just understand really the the roi especially if you're having to calculate the costs Um, not just your time but you know some expenses that actually go into you know maybe gasoline and insurance or things like that um so i think it's helpful not just for considering um additional streams of income but also i think it's also really helpful when you're considering maybe thinking about your your budget and, and what you're spending your money on in a given month because You know, I don't, maybe it's, I don't know if it's a saying or not, but it's, it's, you know, a a dollar saved is actually worth quite a bit more than a dollar earned because most dollars that you earn have tax taken Mm out, are going to have tax owed on them. Um, So, you know, if you earn a dollar, but you are, um, you know, your marginal tax rate is 22% and then each extra dollar you earn is really, you're only getting 78 cents versus, you know, if you save a dollar, you, you save a dollar. Um, so it's, it's, you need You need additional income to replace, um, you know, income that you spend.
0: Yeah, that's a really good point. Really good point. Um, I, I want to go back to the, uh, the, the common things that folks typically have access mm-hmm. to. Um, you know, we talked HSA, um, you know, talking through that element there and how that one is actually more tax advantaged than the 401k, uh, just the, I guess the tax implication of that. Um, so, so the benefit there, you know, you're using this, a health savings account and, uh, you're, you're contributing through your payroll deductions through your paycheck. And, uh, not only is that a pre-tax, uh, deduction, but it grows tax free and and if you're using them for qualified medical expenses, those those dollars in this account, you can pull it out tax free. So it's a it's a triple tax advantage relative to uh say the 401k where you're it's a double tax advantage. You're putting the money in, say traditional, that's a tax benefit to the current year. It grows tax uh, tax free you 're not taxed as it grows, and then you have to pull you pull it out you you, you pay the the tax or, or the roth is the same thing just in, in reverse reverse order there pay the tax upfront and then uh, growth and and pay you know pull that money out tax free so yeah the hSA is a fantastic vehicle um, not able to put too much uh in there but uh you know i guess i i, I want to say that one really is the having your your you know your cake and eating it as well and and um you know you have a free lunch uh i think it's the hsa uh
1: well it's not free you got to you're supposed to keep your receipts and that's i don't know it's not <laughs> free to me it's, especially when, when they work. Start. Yeah you're like oh here's a receipt for $100 is it worth keeping this receipt or Here's one for $30 and not
0: free but, True, yeah, you do have uh, to work for it. Okay, so there is some cost there of of, of record-keeping, and, uh, but but they do have generous um, definitions. I mean, this is pretty broad. Uh, you know, FSA is another one. Now, of course, the HSA requires that you have a high deductible health plan, um, which you may not necessarily be comfortable with because that might put you at higher limits, and if you're a frequent user or just want to have that uh, that safety, uh, the, the comfort of, of having a low deductible plan where you don't have a lot of out-of-pocket expenses if you end up going to the doctor. Um, so, so there's some other factors there, but, um, and I, I, you know, it's funny, we're getting to this point where I, I, I feel like we've covered these things, but maybe we haven't. So I'll just reiterate it and maybe not everybody that's listened is, is devout and listened to every single episode. Sure. Um, we hope that you do, but, uh, you know, there's a cool tactic there with the HSA. Um, I know you're falling out of favor with it, Lauren, cause there's a little bit more work on that, but, uh, Tell tell uh, uh, tell folks your your strategy or or, or your your strategy that you are using uh, related to the HSA um, by saving receipts. Yeah,
1: I guess yeah, I guess we didn't explain that. Um, really, within HSA, when you incur the health um, expense, yes, you can withdraw those funds to pay for the health expense tax free but you're not required to do there's there's no like time window at which you need to withdraw the that so you can incur an expense today this year and then you can withdraw that amount 20 years from now 30 years from now much later um so the advantage of that is that by by not withdrawing it you're you're keeping it invested you know you can invest it um and those funds can grow to a larger amount and um, grow again tax-free and the withdrawal is still tax-free. So it can act as a as a kind of additional tax sheltered account, but obviously has the benefit of contributions are tax-free, at least on a federal level. Um, and then withdrawals are are tax-free, um, assuming you have a qualified health expense. Um, but again, it doesn't have to be in that year. It can be, that, that expense could have occurred many many years before you withdraw it um so that is that is can be a strategy to use as like a additional retirement kind of account or not even retirement i don't because you don't have to be a certain age um to to make these withdrawals as long as you have a qualified health expense
0: yeah, so in other words, you could have an expense right now, uh, pay from it through cash flow or other funds, and you save this receipts, uh, hopefully digitally, so you don't have to worry about it just hanging out somewhere. And, you know, like say five years down the road, if you needed to tap these dollars, um, something came up. I mean, hopefully you've got a healthy emergency fund, but you know, heaven forbid you need to tap even more. And you were able to, uh, say to, uh, the HSA provider, you know, Hey, I'm reimbursing myself from an expense that was five years ago. They don't, they don't have any qualms with that. They're, they're, they're okay. And Oh yeah, this is a qualified expense and you can pull that money out. So yeah, that's, that's to me, that's really, really cool. Um, And the other thing too is at 65, it turns into like, you can use that for non-medical related expenses. It can just be like a retirement account.
1: But isn't there a penalty there or you pay tax on it, right? If you don't have qualified health expense, you still have to pay tax on it, I think.
0: That's a good one. I I was under the impression that it was, uh, you could just use it. uh, Yeah. but But that but That was my plan was
1: just to wait to 65 and not save receipts. But then I thought I read somewhere that you still... I, we should follow up, but I, th- I think it's, I think it's, if you're 65 and you don't have receipts, there's no penalty, but you still pay tax on it. Whereas if you're not 65 and you don't have receipt, then you pay tax and a penalty. Um, but
0: yeah, we will find out before the episode <laughs> ends, uh, and, and get, and get that corrected. So, um, yeah, yeah. Either way, you can have access to that money. I mean, that that's true. Yeah, if it, if you are taxed at that point, and there's just no penalty, um, and there's a ten percent penalty if you were to withdraw it for, and it's um, income tax. Um, yeah, right. Sorry, I'm a bit distracted. Lord, did you did you find something of of interest? Uh, on
1: this yeah. One? So I believe yeah, it says if you're um, uh, sixty five and older, you can take uh, distributions penalty free for any reasons, but. Um, You would pay income tax on it. If you don't have a qualified medical expense, you have a qualified medical expense, then it's both tax free and penalty free at 65.
0: Gotcha. So yep. save those receipts and pay from them through cash flow, And uh, that way at 65, you're able to, or anytime really, you're able to just uh, take those dollars and not have to pay a penalty or, or taxes. Um, so anyways, we got down a rabbit hole on that one, <laughs> but um, yeah, FSA, I mean, unfortunately the FSA, you have to, to spend those dollars within the year. There's a rollover amount. Um, I want to say it goes up to $500. Um, I could be corrected on that one, but but there's a nominal amount. Uh, what what I would consider nominal, in relation to the amount you're able to contribute to an FSA or a, an HSA, uh, which uh, you know, is in the three thousands or seven thousands, depending if you're um, uh, single or, or or family. So, um, but yeah, you know, going back to the tax piece of all of this, it's just important to know uh, when you're making these decisions or any of these decisions at all, like they have a tax impact. Um, another one is uh, education funding for, say, like a 529. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, so all of these kind of, I think,
1: programs, right? FSA, HSA, 529, um, they they have some savings, right? Like an immediate sort of benefit for the most part, as well as sometimes, you know, benefit later, But they all have some strings attached to them, right? And so I think... Like anything in Lime, you need to uh, evaluate both what is the benefit and, and the cost. And so I think in this case, I guess the benefit, maybe it's kind of a weird analogy because the benefit is really the cost savings, you know, the deduction to your tax. Um, but the there is some strings attached in terms of how you can use the funds. And so I think it's if, if you know your, for instance, your marginal tax rate and you know that can help you really understand what is the benefit of contributing to an FSA um, this year, because they, you can quickly find out how much lower that, how much that's going to reduce your taxes by.
0: Yeah, yeah. Important, important thing to, to consider there. Um, I want to talk about, so... Uh, we've been talking federal. I want to talk two things, so I want to talk character of 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 tax and um, maybe just touch on state tax as well. so um, I know you had ta- touched on the character as you were describing the retirement scenario. Um, maybe maybe say more about that, like the different types of
1: yeah. I mean, so far we've kind of talked about tax brackets and really we we're citing some uh, tax brackets relating to income tax. And uh, I mentioned capital gains tax and I briefly described it, but I think it'd be helpful to talk about, I guess, what is income? Like what what is the different types of income that's subject to income tax? Um, and then maybe we can contrast that um, or not contrast it, but also just um, cover what are capital gains and maybe a little bit how that's taxed. But let's start with income. Like wh- what, how do we define income? What is examples of income that's subject to the income tax that we had talked about.
0: Yeah. And, and broadly speaking, I think it's a safe bet. Um, unless it's, I mean, this is kind of how the code's written out, unless it's explicitly called out, uh, anything that you get any, any sort of dollars that dollars that you receive for, you know, uh, doing a job, um, uh, is income. So I mean, wages, salaries, tips, bonuses, uh, certain types of equity compensation that we'd covered, um, interest uh, dividends, um, you know, social security to a, a certain extent, if you make over a certain amount, um, that, that can be taxable gambling, um, even withdrawals in- withdraw from a pre-tax. Yeah. Importantly, yeah. Exactly. So, is it a traditional pre-tax retirement account that 401k? Yeah, withdrawals from that. Um, Yeah, there's a there's a laundry list, and and I'm sure this isn't fully you know comprehensive here. But but even certain things like um, uh, unemployment disability, certain types of disability payments, depending on whether or not you had paid the premium or your employer had paid the premium. Uh, If your employer paid the premium, they're taxable to you. Um, if you pay the premium, they're not taxable to you. Um, if, uh, even canceled debt, um, you know, and, and maybe that's like, um, you know, maybe you settled with the credit card company and and they wiped out a certain amount of that debt, like that is still income, which mm-hmm. is crazy to think, uh, or, or, or you've got your, your student loans forgiven. Not, not all of them are, are Income, but that could be a pretty pretty big tax bill um, that you may not know you needed to pay. So it's it's, it's a it's a another word. Yeah, it's very broad, very broad. broad. <laughs> very broad. Um, so what about, about in what's
1: that in contrast to capital gains? I'm, I think capital gains is like something that you have purchased first, right? It's like the gain. It's the difference between the the sale price and your purchase price. I feel like you have to have purchased something before you'd have capital gains on it. But
0: is, mm-hmm. is that
1: is that is that right? Or
0: um, how? Would yeah, you about it? yeah. And I, you know, maybe the CPAs are yelling at the at their headphones or whatever, but I, I would say
1: that, email us at max, uh, feedback at max dot
0: com. I love the plug. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I, I would say it's investments. Uh, you know, it's th- 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 simply thinking of it as, as, as sort of an investment in something that's, uh, maybe more passive that you didn't necessarily. Uh, so, so this is a way for Congress to incentivize folks to, invest in certain things and hold things for a period of time. Um, so that, so as an example, if we're talking about stocks or, you know, uh, or even underlying appreciation of bonds, um, you know, if you're holding them over a year that you get into long-term capital gains territory, um, which uh, just for folks out there uh, can be anywhere from, from 0% to 20%, and in some cases, 23.8%. Um, and so there's a, there's a big range. But the point is that right there is a much smaller number than the 10% to 37% on the federal side. So there, uh, that's, that could enter the equation as, as people are thinking about whether or not they want to buy or sell investments and in day trade or, or that sort of thing
1: yeah i mean when um i think it's more than just the difference is the the difference goes beyond what the top tax rate is i think it's the it's more like the size of the the zero percent tax bracket uh the zero percent long-term capital gains tax bracket goes up to
0: i mean quite a bit i guess i don't know tens of thousands of dollars 80, 80 ta- yeah for 20 well this is 2021 let me grab uh 22 goes up to if you're filing single it's 41,675 if you're 41,000
1: yeah so that's i mean just compare that to about i think 10,000 or so for the ordinary income tax yeah. so um 10,007 uh, actually yeah. sorry the the sorry that's the first tax bracket in ordinary income is is 10% versus the first yeah. income tax bracket in long-term capital is 0% 0% yeah so yeah you can you can have which fifth? I'm sorry. What, what did you say? I think if you're filing single, it's 41675 seventy-five. Forty-one thousand. Yeah. yeah. So if you had forty-one thousand dollars in capital gains, so again, the capital gains is it's the benefit that you receive. So if you, you know, purchased something for a dollar, and then you had forty-six thousand dollars or something of, you sold it for forty-six thousand dollars. That's about forty-six thousand dollars in capital gains. All of that is zero percent uh, tax on that. Um, Whereas you know, if that was ordinary income, you would already be in the 22% tax bracket, essentially. Um, so, really big difference there, and that's why I was talking about retirement, for instance. If if you if a lot of that income that you receive of six thousand dollars is is long term capital gains, you actually don't know you you know again if six thousand dollars if you're married jointly, um, you will have no income tax on that if it's all long term capital gains.
0: Yeah, so it can be really powerful to to understand the character and and how the before you do anything, how how these uh, transactions, distributions and so forth end up being um, taxed. And so I think it's this is also a common misconception on the long term capital gains. Uh, the way, so let's say you had multiple buckets of income you've had, maybe it was a distribution from a 401k or an IRA or whatever, and you're, you're over 59 and a half ever you're in retirement. Um, that would be ordinary income. And so like, again, we're, we're looking at this 41,675, you know, let's call it 41,000 for argument's sake. And if your income is, uh, 42,000. You know, it's, it's they What you do in order to calculate this is you start with ordinary income fills up this bucket. So rather than, Hey, this is a separate, uh, it's a separate, um, tax, uh, uh, bracket that's a progressive system. Uh, no, no, no. you also have to, so you start with ordinary income first and then you count how much you're, um, uh, so again, at $42,000 worth of, of, of income, ordinary income distribution, that fills up that 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 0% tax bracket. And then let's say you had $5,000 in capital gains. So that long-term capital gains, I should say, that'll be taxed at 15%. Right. Um,
1: so yeah. So to calculate capital gains tax, you essentially, you start with your ordinary income that you have and you that right after your ordinary income is where essentially the first dollar of the capital gains is taxed at. And then you kind of add in the capital gains and that is taxed at the capital gains rates, but yeah, the, the yeah the how you how you calculate which bracket you're in is based on your like total total income, I guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And again, just to reiterate that we're talking about long term. So for long term capital gains, you have had to purchase that asset uh, more than a year ago. So if you've held on to it for more than a year, um, whereas if you don't hold on to it for for a year and you sell within a year, those are short term capital gains, and those are the tax rate is always the same as just your ordinary income tax rate. Right.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it can be quite a, quite a big difference.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And there could be reasons. uh, I mean, in all of this to like to to sell that asset, um, if that's a good price and, or, or you just needed the money, uh, for some reason or another, um, that, uh, yeah just just i mean obviously i I've, I've had a lot of clients come to me and, and we're very worried about taxes, and you know there can be other externalities that that warrant us to to solve those first then than taxes um, I thought this also would be a good segue into the state uh income taxation so as most folks are aware you, you, if you live in a state that has taxes, I mean, that, that, uh, will have different, it it doesn't always map with to to make things fun. And, and, uh, for, for everybody, it doesn't always map with the federal code. Um, and for a classic examples, if you live in California, they don't have a long-term capital gains tax bracket system. They count all income as income. And so, uh really, you know, when we when we talk about the benefit of, of the long term now every no, I don't want to say this for every it's it's hard to say in taxes when you say every, mm-hmm. but um, yeah, I'm realizing that Especially when you I have fifty states as well. Yeah, yeah. I, I want to say that in most cases the federal code and federal taxes will be higher than the the state taxes. Um, but I'm sure I could be proven wrong somewhere, but let's just say most. Um
1: well yeah I think you good example I mean in California right like I mean it's they don't treat long they don't treat capital gains as differently so it's taxed at least a few percent right and so there's no 0% tax bracket for long term capital gains right like there is in the federal level Yes uh Correct. Let me just pull that up. So, like, you could owe no federal income tax if you, you know, only withdrew capital gains. Um, but you would certainly owe California income tax.
0: Yep. Yep. Correct. Because that they have a one percent starts and goes up to nine thousand dollars. Yep. So uh, the top rate there is thirteen point three, and that's a lot lower than than thirty seven. But yeah, you know, as as I was saying every um I could think of one example so if you had qualified small business stock and you qualified to uh you invested in uh, I'm sorry you were awarded stock options and um you the, the this particular type of uh stock uh, uh qualifies for this particular type of exclusion you can avoid federal tax but then still be subjected to state tax so in that situation you'd pay more state tax than you would federal tax but that's only for that one particular piece of property so um but yeah by and large uh it's a different it's a different code um there may be some things that are very similar parallel to the the federal code um another example um, fun funnily enough in in a, a california the hsa right? The HSA is not mm. a deductible contribution. Yep. Um, same thing with a the 529, they don't allow uh, deductible contributions uh, there. It's it's just, um, and so other states, they might incentivize folks. And if you contribute, um, and Arizona does, if you contribute to 529, they'll give you a tax deduction. I know Boston and, I'm sorry, Massachusetts, some other other places uh, around the country that, that do. And then of course, you've got those states that don't have any income tax at all. Washington, Nevada, Texas, Florida, um, Wyoming, Alaska. Wyoming. Yeah, I believe so. Yeah. Uh, and so yeah, there, there's a whole another subset of strategy where maybe some folks who made money in California move to these other States to try to, uh, maybe they've got stock that they acquire you know, equity compensation that they acquired from their employer and then they tried to sell it. So, so there's, all sorts of, of fun things that you can. California has a way to get you there too. I think. Yes, yes, <laughs> exactly. It's not as easy as just moving and changing the address. Uh, yeah, they are very aggressive. I know New York as well. So New York is, is the same case. So, um, yeah, yeah. A- anything else on, on your side from the, from the state tax, uh, side of things? You can think
1: of.
0: Um, yeah, that's a good question. You know, I, I
1: can't say that I know as much about state income tax, even though I've, you know, lived in California for the last 10 years or so and and grew up here as younger as you. Um, yeah, actually, for instance, like, uh, did, well, yeah, I, yeah, I don't know. There's no point in talking about uh state income. Ta- I mean, like specific state specific information because sure. everyone's yeah. in different places. So, but um, yeah, no, I think that's, that's really bad. Just the yeah, understanding that there can be quite a big differences between state and federal, not just in the rates, but in the treatment and the fact that there are different rates and yeah, some things are not taxed at all on one level, whereas there can be taxed on a different level.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And let me ask you this. And in, in you're um, just sort of analyzing different things and approaches. And, you know, if you're trying to do a specific thing with a certain amount of money, uh, are you typically thinking about from a tax perspective, the federal side, and then the state will be just what it is? Or has there ever been a situation where it's like, I'm going to focus on state first and then maybe federal?
1: Yeah, that's a good question. I, I think I think a federal more often, um, I mean, for my, for our tax situation, it's definitely a a larger portion of the tax that we owe or federal taxes. So I think that's, that's a lot part of it. Um, yeah, Mm. but I don't think there's a good, there's a good reason for, I mean, just because it is a smaller portion, it is still a meaningful amount. Um, Mm -hmm. but I think, yeah. Generally, the things that we do are, are are taxed both by California and federal, and so something that will help you in your federal taxes will help on, on California. But you're right; there are some things like the HSA, which I I do we do use, but yeah, don't get the deduction on um on the California level. So, mm-hmm. so this yeah.
0: sway your your opinion too much if it's not. Uh... Uh, because like you're saying, it's not, a, if, if it were reversed, you'd clearly pay more attention to the higher figure. And I think that's, that's broadly with most of my clients, that's, uh, kind of what they've been thinking about as well.
1: Um, yeah, I, I, I want to say too, I don't know why, but it just feels like a the California tax return. is a lot shorter number of pages when I print it out, it seems a lot simpler. So I just kind of get the impression there's just a lot, there's like less things that you can do or, or want or, but you know, um, but yeah,
0: yeah. That's true. Yeah. Uh, I can't say this certainly for every state. I don't know, but I would imagine the federal code is a lot, uh, uh, yeah, has a lot more uh, uh, buckets and different ways and different rules and different things to, to, to consider. So I think that's a kind of a good segue. We talked a little bit about,
1: you know, um, deductions and taxable income. And I think we've, you know, we've mentioned about, well, first of all, how. Taxable income determines your tax, you know, your marginal tax rate, your effective tax rate, and how things like contributions to a pre tax 401k um, or an HSA or an FSA can reduce your, you know, your federal taxable income. But I think the major other thing that is useful for people to think about is the kind of d- the other types of deductions that people can have. Um, and how, again, just because you earned, let's say, $50,000. That doesn't mean you have fifty thousand dollars in taxable income even if you don't use any pre-tax 401ks hsas fsas you know just um we could start with just like the standard deduction right and so every tax person. filer person yeah. gets a some sort of standard deduction um that reduces their taxable income before tax are calculated um which i think is something that's important to know because it can be pretty significant right i mean it's for a, for oh well, yeah, what is it for a single person? It's like a 12,950. 12, yeah, so like if you earn $50,000, you subtract the 12,950, and then that's your taxable income, and then you start calculating taxes based on that. So essentially, everyone kind of gets that first $12,000 or $13,000 almost tax-free, essentially, because you're reducing your taxable income first. Um, and that pretty much almost doubles if you're married, filing jointly, I think, right? Yeah, 25900 um, yeah. So um, again, that's just something to to be aware of, and that will help. That will also kind of increase the difference between your your marginal and effective tax, or just another cause for why your marginal and effective tax rate can be quite different.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So there are factors like you're saying that uh, will reduce your income, your taxable income, Um, and so yeah. One of them, most of the cases, uh, most of of the folks these days are going to have the standard deduction, um, but uh, and that was thanks to the, the 27 Tax uh, Cuts and Jobs Act. They had uh, uh, removed a lot of uh, sort of their aim was to close a lot of the loopholes on the itemized side. Um, and so, so you have to pick between whether or not you're going to take the standard deduction or you're going to itemize. And uh, some items that uh, that fall into the itemized category: uh, state and local taxes, mortgage interest, charitable contributions. Uh, medical up to certain thresholds you have to spend actually quite a bit on medical expenses in order to get a deduction um but yeah a lot a lot of the others uh, there there can be a handful of others uh, out there but uh not not as not as often uh are folks itemizing
1: yeah i think that really changed in i think 2017 is when right yep. the state and local tax deduction was capped at ten thousand dollars i think so um you have to have yeah, a... Yeah, that's right. A big one. I mean, for even a married filing jointly, is that right? Yep, that's correct. So, I mean, like, you would have to have, you know, to to have more deductions than what a standard deduction is for a married filing jointly, you'd have to have $14,000 of other deductions, which, you know, unless you have a mortgage or something, or a serious amount of charitable contributions. Yeah. For well,
0: 25,900. So, 16,000, very virtually 16,000. So, yeah, you'd have to be, you'd have to have a really big mortgage uh that has a lot of interest or you're very charitably inclined or uh hopefully you're not you didn't have a really big medical bill so yeah. um so yeah that that's a huge one uh for folks um and then you know we've got some others as well that uh, other deductions i mean the 401k one we talked about as well hsa uh commuter benefits um, and so, yeah, and then there's all sorts of deductions. These are, sorry, uh, really, you sorry, healthcare
1: premiums too. Right, if you pay for, um,
0: right. Like if you pay for
1: healthcare through your employer, that's pre-tax. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I know we know in, uh, California that that's not deductible there. There's. All sorts of deductions out there um and and you know shoot we we, i'm sure you can there's there's reasons why there are folks that specialize in and uh, do this for a living just because you know we could spend days and days and days talking about all the different types uh of deductions but it's it's important to know i think the standard versus itemizing most folks are going to um they're going to get the standard deduction and, and so it's just good to know well what is that roughly speaking you know to the dollar. Um, but there are some other items that could potentially qualify for you for itemized. But, you know, if you're, if you're using a TurboTax or equivalent, um, these, these systems are all built so that they, uh, uh, or they should at least, uh, you know, you enter the data and they will spit out the, the best and most optimal pathway, uh, what to select. Yep. Um, anything else on deductions? I did want to say one other thing before we sort of wrap up here. No, go for yeah. it. Um, and again, there are so many other things that we could be talking about with relation to taxes. So this is just a really cursory overview of different items that we've hand-selected that we thought might be interesting. Um, but uh, the other thing was uh, the U.S. tax code is a global tax code. And I uh, even if you are... So if you're a U.S. citizen or green card holder, or permanent resident... Um, you know have have ties to the u.s effectively uh you and you earn money in another country uh you could still be liable for uh u.s federal taxes uh which is kind of surprising um but there is not every country has a tax treaty uh which is basically a negotiation between the u.s and whatever other country and this document spells out tell you it's a fun read it spells out exactly like what items will be uh included income in that country or this country and you know like where will the tax be assessed and you know can you get a deduction for taxes paid in a foreign country so uh yeah some some folks just say oh it's just it's just in us no it's a global tax system so uh uncle sam may come knocking if you're trying to I don't know, move to Switzerland or something like that. And I don't know, hide, hide money or, uh, yeah. So, so I, I just thought that was, uh, so, some folks uh think that just cause they're not in the U S doesn't mean that they don't necessarily have to file a tax return. So,
1: yeah, that's a bummer. Cause even, yeah, even if you don't owe it, you really still need to file it. Cause that's the only way that the government know, IRS knows that you don't know is that you still have to file. So, mm-hmm.
0: yeah. Yeah. So darn, but, uh, you know, I guess that could be a penalty and, and the benefit of being a, a U.S. citizen or a green card holder, permanent resident, and so forth. So, um, is, as we've been mentioning, again, there's so much to, to, to think about uh, with relation to taxes. Curious, your run-ins, maybe, with the, the taxes, uh, hopefully hopefully in good, but, but if you want to share the bad and like, oh, I should have known about this one thing and I could have saved all of this money in taxes— uh, if you're okay with uh, sharing that with us, uh, please do. We we would find that interesting, and, and I think at the very least help others try to avoid uh, that situation in the in the future. So um, that uh, lovely email address to provide us feedback is uh, feedback at maxfinancepodcast dot com. And uh yeah, that's feedback at maxfinancepodcast.com. Uh doesn't have to relate just to uh taxes. Uh drop us a line if you want to hear something else in particular that's um is personal finance related. If you're a new listener, uh thank you for listening. Uh please go back and uh listen to some other we've got uh, hopefully, very descriptive titles in each one of the episodes, so that you can quickly know exactly what we'll be talking about, uh, and, and and can jump in. Um, and it doesn't necessarily; these aren't linear episodes. So you don't necessarily have to start from the beginning and and uh, or, or or you know start at one specific spot. But uh, yeah, just plug in with one that you maybe is is more relevant to you, and and see where it takes you. So, anyways. Um, On behalf of myself and Lauren, thank you all for listening and we'll see you again. We're a new podcast and it would mean the world to us if you took a moment to write a review in the Apple Podcasts app or share this episode with a friend or family member. We'd like to hear from you. Is there a topic you're interested in? Have feedback more generally? Email us at feedback at maxfinancepodcast.com. Thanks and see you next time.